Hey guys, good morning. Glad to be kind of with you today. Before we get started, I just want to um, remind you again about this coming weekend. Good Friday, we're going to look for Jesus in the Passover meal, enter the Last Supper story. I sent you all an email this week that had the ingredients, how to set your table. We're going to go live Friday night at 7 o'clock on Facebook. That's going to be a great time together. And I also sent you two videos this week in the email, and we posted them on our social media accounts, especially on Facebook, I know. Here's what I need you to do. So many of you have been so encouraging, saying that you're so thankful that, that we're bringing church to your living room. I really need you to join us in bringing your living room to church. And so would you go check out those two videos? In one of them, we're asking you to answer the question, because he lives, well, the old song goes, I can face tomorrow. Because Jesus is alive, what has that meant for you and your family? What has that meant for you in this crisis? What has that meant for you in, in your story? We want, we want to see the answer to that. And so we'd love for you to shoot like a quick little video or write something down. In the video, we showed you some creative ways to do it. That would literally take you a couple of seconds. What a great way to sit around and reflect on that, especially with your kids. We need you to send that in to us. Then we're going to have a choir. I always wanted to have an Easter Sunday choir. And uh, we're going to try to have one a virtual one, an online one, and I need you to join it. I know that people don't want to sing in front of other people. Well, that's the good news. You only have to sing in front of your computer. Here's the other good news. I promise you no one will ever hear you. We've already looked at the software. We've seen the examples of how this is going to work. We are going to blend all of these voices together, and I am promising you, I will do this because nobody's got a worse voice than me. I am promising you no one will hear your voice. What you will see, though, is a choir of faces singing about the resurrection of Jesus. It's going to be like the church being back together again on Easter morning. So Annie sent out a video. It's on Facebook. It's in the email I sent you this week showing you how to do that too. Do it by yourself. Do it with your kids. We're going to have this whole collection of faces. We won't have any individuals. You don't have to worry about any of that. Heck, if you can't sing, if you want to see how serious I am about we won't hear your voice, just lip sync and send that in and you'll still be part of the choir uh, it's going to be awesome. That's next Sunday. Let me get to this week. This week, I've learned something. I've learned that patience is not a virtue of mine. Uh, it should be. It's a fruit of the Spirit. But I'm going to blame it on the fact that maybe I'm just a Jersey guy. I, I hope incrementally it'll be true of me, and maybe, maybe the circumstances we're all dealing with now will help it to grow in me. But I don't have a lot of uh, patience. Uh, uh, you know, I go to Florida. It seems like in Florida, you ever go food shopping in Florida? It seems like everybody in Florida could go food shopping for 10 years. I'm running through the aisles, knocking people out of the way. Uh, if, there was a, if, there was, if, if hurry was a virtue, I think Jersey would win. I want groceries, and I want them out. I don't want to dodge people in the aisles. I want answers, and I want them now, especially with what's happening now, like this week, we're in the middle of this storm, and actually what's frustrating is some people are saying we're not even in the middle of the storm, we're at the beginning of the storm. See, I want the storm over now. I want the, the curve flattened. I, I want the people I'm praying for that are sick. Some of them are on ventilators. I want them healed, and I want them healed right now. I, I want the quarantine lifted. I want schools open. I want weddings and graduations and proms, and I want them now. I want my friends like, to get their jobs back now. I want my 401k to bounce back like now. And I can't tell you how much I want to reopen this church like now. Patience for me in this crisis is a missing virtue. 
And if I'm honest, what's most frustrating, I'm just being honest with you, is that I know I'm praying for this to be over, and I know many of you are praying for this to be over. And look, I think in the history of the world, there's probably more people praying about one thing now than ever, and it's that, that this would be over. And if I just continue in my honesty, I have to be honest and tell you, it doesn't seem that God is answering that prayer. He doesn't seem to be doing what I, I'm asking him to do. I'm just going to be honest. People I, people I love that are sick seem to be getting sicker. The curve isn't flattening. It's getting steeper. So maybe your question this week is the question that I've been wrestling with this week. How long? God, how long? Last week, we tried to answer the question of why, God, why has this happened? And what we discovered is, for the most part, the Scriptures never directly answered the question. It's kind of left for discovery another day. What we did see, though, is that Jesus, in a very famous story about the healing of a blind man, showed us that the answer is not to look back and look for who to blame. It's not that God is out there trying to get even with us for our failings, but that part of the answer to the why is found in looking forward for purpose and for the power of God to be revealed in you. This week, there's a new question. If last week was why, God, this week as it's droning on is when, God? When is enough enough? How, how much more, God? As I showed you last week, asking God why isn't wrong, and neither is asking God when. It doesn't show that you have any kind of lack of faith. The great king of ancient Israel, David, the Scriptures say he was a man after God's own heart. When David faced circumstances, not all that different than what we're going through right now. You want to know what the father of the faith wrote? Psalm 13? Check out Psalm 13. I think it's so great. I think it's great because it shows that He's a human being like I am. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day I have sorrow in my heart? How long is my enemy going to triumph over me? It's not just a psalm. This is like a series of humanity's unanswered questions followed by a great shared frustration. Look at me. Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I'm going to sleep in death and my enemy is going to say I've overcome them and my foes are going to rejoice when I fall. Where are you, God? Why don't you do something? I mean, God, are, are, you, are you just uninterested? Are you, are you impotent? Because it seems like right now those are the two choices. Either you can't. Heck, maybe, maybe you're not even there. Or maybe you don't care. Maybe God isn't love after all. See, John, one of Jesus' disciples, he recorded Jesus' response to the why question last week. This week, he records a, another encounter, and I think it brings some clarity to the when question. Here's what he wrote. A man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. By way of background, Jesus and the disciples had left the city of Judea and Jerusalem, and there they had been getting persecuted. They had been getting threatened. They had decided to leave, and they were about a day and a half's journey by foot from where Mary and Martha and her sister lived. So, 
John writes, so, well, so since Lazarus was sick and since Jesus is, I mean, he's not that far away, he's only about a day, day and a half away, the sisters, now these sisters had seen Jesus do all kinds of miracles already. They'd seen him heal all kinds of people. So, since he wasn't that far away and the sisters already knew that Jesus could heal, they sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Whatever messenger they sent to Jesus doesn't show up and say, Hey, Lord, um, you remember Mary and Martha? You were at their house a couple times. Um, one time they poured perfume, and one of the sisters poured perfume on your feet. Yeah, I don't know if you remember. They have this brother, Lazarus. No, that wasn't, that wasn't what it was. That wasn't the name. The relationship was so tight between Jesus and Lazarus, he goes by like a solo moniker. He's like a first century Beyonce. Lord, the one you love is sick. That's how tight Jesus and Lazarus were. And so when he heard this, Jesus said, proclaimed, this sickness will not end in death. And then he says something that sounds familiar if you remember the story from last week. Remember the disciples asked Jesus why the man was born blind? Was it because he sinned or his parents? Remember, that was how people then thought about God and how we often think about him today. This happened because God's angry or God's getting even with him for something. Remember, Jesus introduced to them a whole new way of thinking, not looking back for blame, but forward for purpose and power. Jesus told them that he was born blind so that God's power might be displayed in him. Well, here's Jesus again saying something very similar. He goes, this sickness will not end in death. No, it's for God's glory, which is completely counterintuitive, right? Sickness is not for God's glory. Sickness then, and I think still today at some level, you're sick because God doesn't care about you, doesn't like you. Maybe you did something. Maybe this is a punishment. Or if God does like you, maybe even if God does love you and you're sick, well, maybe God isn't as powerful as you think he is because he doesn't seem to be doing anything in your life. Jesus completely turns this around. Once again, he says, no. That's it's not for either of those reasons. He's sick. This sickness, this sickness is for God's glory. It's for his renown. And then he gives the why. So that the sickness has a purpose so that God's son might be glorified through it. Now, that's weird. Track with me through this, if you will, because I know you know, some of you know this story. And so maybe we haven't thought about it, but Lazarus is really sick, like near death sick. And Jesus says the reason is for his, for his glory. Intuitively, that doesn't make any sense. You know why? Because if I was writing this story, what I would write is that Jesus got well for God's glory. Or, or, or Lazarus got rich for God's glory. Or famous for God's glory. Or Lazarus got really good at throwing touchdown passes for God's glory. Or having a TV show or a book deal for God's glory. But Jesus takes the expected script and he flips it over and he goes, no, 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 he's sick for my glory. Which still doesn't give me a lot of warm fuzzies. But walk in the story a little longer. See, John knows how ridiculous and discomforting, especially in the face of what we're dealing with right now, that, that statement is. And so he actually steps out of the story for a moment. Because he understands that if you don't understand this next line, you might draw wrong conclusions. And I think you and I need to hear this this morning so that in the face of this sickness, we don't draw wrong conclusions. 
So John steps out of the story. He puts a pause on the story because he needs to make sure that you and I know something, and it's this. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. John wants you to know this. Despite what's happened already to Lazarus and what's going to happen to him and his sisters, John stops and goes, I know this is going to get a, this is going to get a little dicey, but before it goes on, I just need you to know something. John says, Jesus loves Mary and Martha and Lazarus. Well, that's true when he heard Lazarus was sick which I paused because I, I just had the same experience happen to me in staff meeting a couple of weeks ago. My phone rang, and it was my, my daughter, Courtney, and she called during the day. That's highly unusual. She, she's a teacher, and she's at work. And when I picked up the phone, she was crying so much that all I could really get out of her was that she was in the hospital, that, that she was okay, and don't come. I'm in the hospital. I'm okay. I'm just scared. Don't come. And you know what I did? I went back into the staff meeting and I said, hey, guys, got to go. One, there's one that I love that is sick. And I left the staff meeting and rushed to the hospital. Now, the truth is, Courtney was fine. But that's what you do when one that you love is sick, right? So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. You see where it was two more days. I mean, fast forward, fast forward to what's happening right now in Judea. Because Mary and Martha are likely bending over Lazarus at this point and speaking to him. I mean, what do you do? What do you say to somebody that's in all kinds of pain and is very, very sick? You try to give them hope. You tell them the medicine will be, be, be working soon or, or the doctor will be here soon or we'll be at the hospital very soon. I mean, I'm picturing Mary and Martha clinging. Lazarus is clinging to life. They're wiping the sweat from his brow. He's in agony and pain. There's no medicine. There's no IVs. He's barely holding on to life. And Mary and Martha are saying, Lazarus, don't worry. We sent for Jesus. He's not far away. He's going to be here real soon. Just hold on because Jesus is coming. And he hasn't come for two days. For two days. And it was after that that then he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. See, I want you to hear something in just in the, the setup to this story. It's possible for Jesus to love and wait at the same time. But Rabbi, they said a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you're going back? Jesus, I know you love this guy. I know that you're tight with this guy. But if we go back there, it might not end well for you and us. You remember what happened the last time we were there? I mean, there's 12 of us. Why would we go back for that, just that one? Which I think if, if they heard themselves thinking that, they might have remembered that it was this same Jesus that said he'd be willing to leave 99 to go after one. So, so the story begins that Jesus loves and Jesus waits, and then Jesus went. But then John records something that doesn't make a lot of sense but it's basically the same thing that he had said right before he healed the man that was born blind that we talked about last week. When he healed the man that was born blind, as he was about to do that, here's what he told the disciples. As long as it's day, we have to do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I'm in the, I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. And so now again, they get ready to head to Judea. And here's what Jesus tells them. Are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anybody who walks in the daytime is not going to stumble because they're going to see by this world's light. 
It's when a person walks at night that they stumble because they don't have any light. Now, scholars have been debating what Jesus meant by these two lines for years, but I think that if you just put the two stories together, you can glean something. I think what Jesus is saying is, look to His disciples, as long as I am in this world, I am in the light of the world. I am going to reveal to you things that you never would have seen or understood in the darkness. I'm showing you things unseen. Last week, you thought bad things happened to people because God punished them. I showed you something different. This time, guys, I need you to come with me to Judea. You know why? Because I'm going to show you something. I'm going to illuminate something for you that's been hidden. I'm going to answer the when question, but I'm going to answer it differently than it's ever answered before. I'm going to bring light to a situation so that when this happens again, so that when I don't show up on time, so that when I don't answer your prayers, when I don't come, when it seems like I don't come when you need me, when I'm no longer here and when things go wrong and it seems like I'm distant and far off or powerless or uncaring, I am going to show you today. And John, I can picture Jesus saying to him, and we don't know this, but I can picture him saying, and John, you ought to write this down because people are going to know this, need to know this one day in the midst of their darkness. I'm going to show you that there's something that needs to be learned through it. I'm going to show you today, John, something different. I'm going to shine light into their darkness so that any time this happens in the future, people will know the truth. And he said this. He went on to say that our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him. His disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. They assume that, you know, well, he's, he's sleeping now. Maybe he's out of pain. Lord, why, wouldn't it be better for us to just stay here? It sounds like maybe he's getting better. And so then Jesus just tells them plainly, look, guys, Lazarus is dead. And then comes what at first blush is one of the least comforting lines in all of Scripture. And for your sake, I'm glad I wasn't there. Now again, that line is, is there, but remember, this is why John paused earlier in the story, to make sure you understand, because you have to view this in light of the fact that Jesus really loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. You have to understand Jesus was willing to go back to Judea, even though it might cost him and his disciples their lives. Jesus goes, I, I love Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, and I'm glad I wasn't there to save them. I'm glad I waited long enough that I didn't get there in time. I, God didn't get there when he needed me. To which, this week, next week, you might <laughs> go, why? Why would someone who loves these three the way he did, why would he be glad he didn't get there when they wanted him or needed him? And he, Jesus gives the reason. Here's the reason I'm glad I wasn't there, so that you may believe I think Jesus says to you this morning, here's the reason I'm glad I didn't go. Here's the reason I didn't go, so that you might believe. And then he looks to the disciples and goes, now let's go. He goes, I'm glad. You know why? Because now you're going to get to see and experience, and you're going to get to document for all time, John, something that will help people understand not just that I have power over life and death, but that's going to help them to believe, even when it seems like I'm late or uncaring or not coming. I'm glad I didn't go. In fact, I think Jesus would say, I purposely didn't go. You know why I'm going to create a crisis? So that when this happens again, 
so that when this happens again and I don't do what you ask me to do, when you want me to do it, so that you understand something about me. Let's go. Well, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had been in the tomb for four days. Scholars agree that Jesus likely waited four days because the rabbis in, in Jesus' day had taught that the soul of a deceased person could hover over the body for three days, hoping that maybe it could re-enter. But after three days, there was no hope. Jesus chooses to wait four days. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. You see, all their prayers, it turns out, had been in vain. Martha and Mary were pleading with Lazarus to hang on. Lazarus, Jesus will be here any moment. But now all those hopes were gone. Lazarus is not only dead. Lazarus is dead and buried and at some level, look, let's just be honest, if you enter the story, here's what Mary and Martha have to start believing, that the people in this town care more about me than Jesus did because at least they showed up for the funeral. And so at some point, like four days later, long after the funeral, word gets around town that Jesus is coming. John records this. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed home which makes perfect sense to me. You know why? Because I got a lot of Mary in me. You want me to come running out now, Jesus? Where were you when I needed you? No, thanks. Martha, you can go if you want. I'm not interested anymore. You know why? Because I know he could have done something and he didn't. I've seen him heal all kinds of people. I've seen him heal Romans. I've seen him heal unbelievers. He was supposed to love us. He doesn't love us. He could have done something. He didn't do anything, and therefore, I'm out. Guys, in the next couple of weeks, we're going to have merry feelings. And this is why this story is here. This is why Jesus waited those four days, so that you might believe and have hope and not lose faith. It's for your sake and for my sake that Jesus was glad he wasn't there. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Now remember, she knows he was only a day and a half away. I don't think these words were said with a lot of reverence. I think they were likely words filled with anger or, or disappointment or confusion. I know you could have done something and you didn't. I know you could have done something and you didn't. I think this is what we're struggling with. And then Martha says, I, I know even now God would give you whatever you ask. It might seem like a last-ditch effort for her brother, but I don't think that's the case. Later in the story, it becomes clear she didn't think his, his coming back to life was a possibility. I just think this is more kind of like a mental accedence to a theological truth, but I don't sense a lot of heart in it. So Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha answered, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. I know, Jesus, I I know. I, I know you've been teaching about resurrection. I know the right answers. I know the theology. All of my friends have been telling me for the last couple days that he's in a better place. I know all that. You know where I wanted Jesus? You know where I wanted my brother to be? I wanted him to be right here with me. And I asked you to come save him, and you didn't. If you had just done what I asked. 
Then Jesus says something profound to her. He looks into this mourning woman's eyes and he goes, I am the resurrection and the life. Who says that to a grieving woman? This, this isn't comforting, really. In fact, Jesus is saying that the resurrection isn't something that's going to happen. He doesn't say that it's something you can look forward to. He says it's something that he is. Now, guys, this is a crazy claim. For any of us who would say that Jesus is just a good moral teacher, but he's not divine, we have to wrestle with this. No human being in their right mind tells a mourning sister that I'm the resurrection. Buddha never said it. Muhammad never said it. Confucian never said it. And in fact, he doubles down and he goes, those who believe in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Jesus insists that even death doesn't have the last, the last word. And, and then he asks a question that I think we're going to have to ask ourselves a lot in the next few weeks. This is why the story is here. I think Jesus waited the four days to come to people he loved who needed him and it seemed too late. I think this is all here so that in the coming few weeks, as this storm gets closer, guys, I hope it doesn't enter your home, but if it does, you and I are going to have to answer this question. Do you believe? And I can picture Martha wrestling with it. I used to believe. I used to believe. I, I, I used to see what you did. I, 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 I was aware of all of the things and the power you had, but when you didn't come through for me, when you're not doing what I ask, do I believe? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe you're the Messiah, the Son of God that's coming to the world. See, she believed it even when he was late. She chose to believe it even when she knew he could have done something and didn't do something. She chose to believe in spite of her disappointment. After she said this, after she kind of recentered herself on a, on a truth, she, she ran back to her sister Mary and she said, the teacher is here and he's asking for you. And so when Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. And when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet. And you know what she said? The exact same thing that Martha said, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. Jesus, this is your fault. You could have, you should have, and you didn't. The exact same pain and anger and doubt and confusion. John writes, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews would come along with her weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and he was troubled. It's actually a weak translation. In the Greek, it means Jesus, that, that, that being upset there, that, that troubled in spirit, it means that he, was, he, he quaked with rage. When he saw her weeping, he was filled with rage at the situation. It says that when he goes to the tomb, he's almost roaring and snorting with anger, nostrils flared. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And John records in two simple words, Jesus wept. You see, Jesus met Martha's question with truth. I'm the resurrection and the life. He met Mary's question with tears. In response to Martha, we see that he's fully God, that he is the resurrection and the life. But in response to Mary, even though he knows how the story will end, we see that he's fully human. He enters into our pain. He's just like us. 
Which again, Jesus, even though he could have and didn't, he was only a day and a half away, he had the power to change things, but he didn't use it. What you see in Jesus here, what you see in Jesus here is that it doesn't mean he didn't care. See, it allows the situation to play out so that you might know that even when it seems like he doesn't care, guys, in these coming weeks, even when it seems like he doesn't care, he does. When you're ticked, he's enraged. When you're angry, he's furious. When you cry, Jesus wails. See, he can wait, and he can love you at the very same time. Just because he didn't come didn't mean he didn't care. Well, the Jews said, see how he loved him, and then they responded just like we would. Some of them said, well, if he loved him, couldn't he have opened the eyes of the blind man and kept him from dying? They're still living in that if he would have, you know, if, if he could, he would. And Jesus says, take away the stone. But Lord, Martha says, this, by this time there's a bad odor. He's been in there for four days. Here comes the summation of the story. Remember, Jesus asked, do you believe? And then he follows up with a promise. Do you believe? Because here comes the promise. For all of those uh, us that would choose to believe, even when he's late, even when he's not showing up, even when he's not doing what he wanted him to do. Then Jesus said, didn't I tell you that if you believe, you would see the glory of God? If you would just hang on, if you would just continue to trust, if you wouldn't bail on me, if you wouldn't walk away, I'm telling you, if you will not stop believing, even when it seems like I'm not showing up, I'm telling you, you will see the glory of God. So they took away the stone. Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen. There was a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, Jesus had to tell them to rush up and take the grave claws off. You know why? Because I think it was one of those whoa moments. The same moment they had in the boat a couple weeks ago, we discussed when he calmed the storm and the sea around them, when suddenly they were more afraid and in awe of the person in the boat than the circumstances around them. Here, for a moment in time, Human beings were more in awe and fear of Jesus than they were even of death. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did believed in him. Of course they did. And that's why this story is here for you this morning, so that you too might believe and see the glory of God. You know, Jesus never answers directly the why or when question. What he promises, though, is that if you believe the power, the purpose, the promises of God, even when it seems too late, even when he seems distant, even when you wonder if he sees or he knows or he cares, Jesus says, I know there are days coming. I'm going to leave. Darkness will return. That's why he waits these four days. That's why he creates the crisis in the lives of Mary and Martha and Lazarus, so that when our moment comes... So that when our crisis comes, Jesus doesn't want you to mistake that his being late, his lack of response, don't confuse it with him not loving you. And what he promised Mary and Martha and what Lazarus experienced, he promises to you and I, if you will believe, even when it's hard to believe, you will in this life and in the next, you will see the power of God. Do you believe me? The most similar situation I ever had to this was my son, John, had cracked his head open one day. 
and we had to go to the emergency room, and it was filleted open. It was bad. And they said, you got to get a plastic surgeon. And he came in, and he said, okay, you know, we're going to have to, this is going to be painful for him. We're going to have to tie him down. We're going to put him in a jacket, and then we'll, we'll strap him down to the bed. And I'm going, he's eight years old. You can't do that. And they said, well, the only alternative is he would have to just sit still, but I'm going to have to give him a lot of injections directly into his, his forehead, into the wound. And so I went up to John, and I explained the situation to him. And I said, John, right now when I'm going to allow this doctor to do to you, you're going to have to, to trust me. This is going to hurt. But if you will trust me, and if you will just stare right at me, if you will not take your eyes off of me, if, if you won't mistake the fact that I'm allowing this to happen for, the fact that for, for some falsehood that I don't love you, if you will stay focused on me, we will come out of this, and you will be better for this. And so I said, can you do that? And he said, I, I, I'm going to try. And I, I held his face. I said, you look right in my eyes. Don't stop looking at my eyes. You don't look at that doctor. You look right at me. I said, you just keep trusting what I told you is true. And I looked at the doctor, and I gave him the nod, and the doctor injected, um, I think, 10 shots into his head. And John and I just counted together, one, two, and then it was over. John looks pretty good. Friends, my prayer for you this week, as the storm grows closer, as you move from the question of why to the question of when, how much longer, my prayer is that as you ask that question, that you could get to the same place David did David in Psalm 13, when is enough? How much longer? You know how he concludes? But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation, and I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. Father, that is my great prayer for your people, that we this week would not mistake your timing we would not mistake our, our, our mistaken perception of you not coming through with a lack of love or a lack of care. Lord, would you give us eyes to see that you are in the boat with us and that the one in the boat is to be more feared than the circumstances outside of it. And Lord, my great prayer for everyone here is that this week, that very soon we would see the glory of God. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Guys, good Friday. I'll see you at my house. Get your table set up and get those videos in so we can celebrate the resurrection of Christ like we never have before. See you next week.